In rode the lord of the Nazgul, a great black shape against the fires beyond he loomed up, grown to a vast menace of despair. In rode the lord of the Nazgul, under the archway that no enemy ever yet had passed, and all fled before his face. All save one. There waiting, silent and still in the space before the gate, sat Gandalf upon Shadowfax. Shadowfax, who alone among the free horses of the earth, endured the terror, unmoving, steadfast as a graven image in Rathdinan. You cannot enter here, said Gandalf, and the huge shadow halted. Go back to the abyss prepared for you. Go back. Fall into the nothingness that awaits you and your master. Go. The black rider flung back his hood, and behold, he had a kingly crown, and yet upon no head visible was it set. The red fire shone between it, and the mantled shoulders vast and dark. From a mouth unseen there came a deadly laughter. Old fool, he said. Old fool, this is my hour. Do you not know death when you see it? Die now, and curse in vain. And with that he lifted high his sword, and flames ran down the blade. Gandalf did not move. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Keep on Tolkien with Joel N. And Danny J. How's it going? Welcome back for part two on Gandalf. Gandalf. So yeah, we left Gandalf. Uh, well, let's talk about that opening passage a little bit. That's uh, Yeah, first of all, that opening passage is epic as hell. Yeah, that was probably the longest one we've ever had. But it was, it was, it was well deserved. That's probably my favorite Gandalf moment, I think, ever. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, squaring off against the Witch King at the Battle of Minas Tirith. But yeah. we're, we're going to get into that in more depth later on in this episode, guys. Yeah, this episode we're going to try to uh, do Gandalf some justice and include a good chunk of excerpts about badass Gandalf moments. Yeah, so you get to hear us struggle to read. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be an entertaining episode, episode two. All right, so when we left Gandalf, uh, I believe they had just made it to Rivendell. After the whole battle at the forge, I shouldn't say battle. Uh, it was a confrontation. Yeah, the confrontation at the, the confrontation forge. at the fort of uh, Berenin. Yeah, yeah. So that's where we left off. So now we've got a wounded Frodo in Rivendell. Right, that's mm-hmm. where we're at. We're in Rivendell. We've got a wounded Frodo. Uh, Gandalf has recently been betrayed by Saruman. And right. he's also recently befriended Shadowfax. Yeah. Pretty significant friendship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at this point in uh, in the story uh, at Rivendell, this is when we have the Council of Elrond, where, of course, Gandalf is a big character there. He tells his part of the story of the ring as Elrond tries to piece it all together with the people that are present. Right. And Gandalf knows more than everybody else. He's basically there filling everybody else on in, and then they add their piece how right. it fits into the story. I think Gandalf knows pretty much everything Elrond knows at this point, or most of it. Yeah, I think he might even surprise Elrond from time to time with things. I like suppose that. he is Maiar. Mm. 
So at this point at the Council of Elrond is when uh, they come up with the Fellowship. The Fellowship is comprised. And I didn't actually realize this until recently when we were putting this episode together, but apparently the nine members of the Fellowship are supposed to be directly set against the nine wraiths. Oh, hell yeah. You didn't know that? No. That's deeply significant. I No, I did not catch yeah. that for whatever reason. Elrond fucking says that in the extended edition, I'm pretty sure. What? I'm pretty sure, like, as they do that wide shot of the Fellowship, like, as they're standing there in the Council of Elrond, he says, uh, he says nine, uh, nine companions. nine companions to match nine riders or something like that. Oh. Yeah. I don't know why I never connected those dots. This is Hell such, yeah. this Joel's is such a deep part of my childhood. This is kind of blowing my mind right now. <laughs> Joel's mind is blown. Yeah, it's deeply significant that they chose nine, which is why, like, because Gandalf didn't, like, uh, Elrond didn't really want uh, Pippin and Mary to go. And Gandalf kind of used that as an excuse, like, hey, it'd be kind of cool if we did nine, huh? <laughs> Wouldn't it be pretty significant? It'd be pretty, you know, significant numerology, right? And we get extra hobbits, which is fun. Yeah. So Gandalf essentially takes charge of the fellowship at this point. Uh, well, him and Aragorn, they do a, a pretty good co-op job of leading through the wilderness. Yeah, they, they're they often, like, kind of arguing about, like, you know, which way to go and stuff. But, they, yeah, they have, they have their shit. Lockdown. Yeah, between the two, between of them, the two of them, I wouldn't trust any other pair like more. Yeah, no, for real. Gandalf and that's, that's a most solid pair. Yeah. You got wisdom versus brute strength and uh, and cunning and uh, tracking ability of Oh, Aragorn. yeah. He's just survivalist hardcore. Hell yeah. And then you've got the magic of a Maiar. He's the chieftain of the Dunedine. The Dunedine. Anywho, so they head south from Rivendell and they start heading towards the uh, mountain pass on the uh, mountain of. Karadras, which at this time of year is the beginning of winter, so it's starting to get kind of treacherous. At a point, they almost make it sound as though the mountain itself is almost sentient and like understands that they're there, right? Yeah, trying to pass it, and it it makes the snow and the weather so much worse. Yeah, and in the specifically mo- where they are in the movie, the they do like that battle with uh, with Saruman, like yeah. saying that Saruman is behind it, which is totally feasible. I don't think they specifically say that in the book. No, but um, totally feasible that it was Saruman. Um, yeah, and they had kind of have that that battle there, which is a cool part. I'm of pretty the movie. sure they say directly that it's the the mountain working against them. Do they? Or at least that's what like Gimli suspects and outwardly right, says. Right. Gimli's but, the mountain uh, expert. <laughs> Gimli. So after they decide they can't cross the mountain, uh, they decide against Aragorn's, I don't want to say his better judgment. He didn't. He just really was against the idea. Yeah, he was. <laughs> they, he, he caved, and they decided to go through Moria. Yeah, and like, yeah, Moria. Um, so at this point, uh, which we learn in the Council of Elrond, uh, nobody's heard from anybody in Moria, they they went back to reclaim it. Balin and uh, Ori and a few other, a handful of other dwarves went back to reclaim it, essentially. Mm-hmm. And they hadn't heard from them for what is it like 30, 60 years? Some yeah, that was something uh, like that. That was the reason why uh, Gloin and who else was there? Gimli and Gloin. Was and it just Gloin? I think yeah. it was just Gloin of the at least of the Lonely Mountain dwarves. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's why he said he was at the council because they hadn't heard from Balin in such a long time. Mm-hmm, yeah. He was concerned. But this is obviously not good news for them now that they have to go through the Mines of Moria. Gimli was really the only one who had any kind of enthusiasm for the plan. Right. Yeah, and Gimli's kind of, ha- I mean, he's he's hopeful that they'll find dwarves down there. Right. I mean, this is partially why he joined up with the Fellowship. He was worried about Balin. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, obviously this plan quickly goes south. They're met instantly at the gate of Moria with the mysterious Watcher creature, and they don't even explain quite what it is mm-hmm. or if it's one or many slithery things. Yeah. All they all Gandalf hints at is that it's something that like crept out of the depths of yeah. the deep waters it's, under it's, under the mountain. It's big and it's gross. It's nasty. It's nasty. And, and so that, they, that pulls down the fucking doorway. Yeah. And traps them inside there. Traps them inside. So now they have to go through and they find out almost right away that the dwarf colony there was uh, overrun by orcs and it's all it's all fucked. It's up. all destroyed. And it's been yeah. destroyed for a while now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. There is uh, definitely signs of struggle, struggle yeah. and uh, many dead bodies, many corpses. So at this point, it's just you know get get out quietly and quickly as possible, mm-hmm. and even that doesn't work out very well. While there, they uh, through a series of unfortunate events, they end up encountering the one and only Durin's Bane. Durin's Bane, which is a leftover Balrog from the first age. Yeah. And if you've listened to our other stuff, uh, you know, season 1 we talk about, you know, the the age of the Balrogs essentially when they were like a shitload of them running yeah, around. Yeah, they're numerous. Yeah. And uh they're it takes a a phenomenal warrior to kill one of these things. Right. Like it's only been done a Glorfindel did it. Uh Ecthelion did it. Gandalf did it. And that was also more or less them forcing the Belrog over a yeah, ledge or something <laughs> or into a fountain. They didn't. Glorfindel pushed him off a cliff and uh, Ecthelion drowned him. Drowned him in a fountain. <laughs> right. So that you could might even say that they didn't even directly kill the Belrog. Right. Yeah, no, they, they, they kind of didn't. Yeah. They used their environment to help kill it. So, like, this is this is a big deal. This is a very big deal. Technically, the Belrog is also a Maiar. So, technically, him and Gandalf are on the same tier oh yeah it's, st- it's, it's still a fair fight mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's it's a hell of a fight it's more fair than the other ones because Ecthelion and uh and, and Glorfindel they're just high elves they're not Meyer. right so Gandalf decides he's obviously got to be the one to face this off if anyone's going to and after a brief exchange of blows Gandalf says some really epic stuff and breaks the bridge of Khazad Doom sending both him and the Belrog down this just endless into the abyss. Yeah, just a pit. And this, yeah, this is everybody's favorite scene from the from the movie. It was epic. Yeah, it's it's one of the greatest. I mean, just like even looking at the Lord of the Rings from a film standpoint, which I don't know. If, I mean, people might not know film was my first love. Really, um, was what I was trying to go to school for and stuff. But uh, even from a film standpoint, that scene is just the shit. Like yeah. it's it's so well made. It's 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 fucking fantastic. And then the prologue from Two Towers where they come Yeah, back where they to expand it. on that shit. Oh. That blew my mind. When that when that camera follows Gandalf down the hole and you see him grab Glamdring halfway through, you were like, "Holy shit, this, this is about to go off. This is happening. Yeah. You're going to see it." Yeah. So we're actually going to throw out a quick excerpt for for you guys uh, from this scene just cuz it's it's too epic. We had to. The Balrog reached the bridge. Gandalf stood in the middle of the span, leaning on the staff in his left hand, but in his other, glamdering gleamed, cold and white. His enemy halted again, facing him, and the shadow about it reached out like two vast wings. It raised the whip, and the thongs whined and cracked. Fire came from its nostrils, but Gandalf stood firm. You cannot pass, he said. The orc stood still. A dead silence fell. I am a servant of the secret fire, wielder of the flame of Arnor. 
You cannot pass. The dark fire will not avail you. Flame of Udun, go back to the shadow. You cannot pass. What? Yeah, that's one of the greatest things ever. In the movie, they change it to shall not, but I feel it doesn't uh, It doesn't really take away from the... No. No. Either way, you shall not, you cannot pass. Gandalf has drawn a line in the sand, man. You are not getting across this bridge. And I don't know if anyone can deliver that line better than Ian McKellen did. Like, No. Maybe no. it's because I grew up with it, but he's... Anytime I think of the way they could do casting better or anything, Ian McKellen always stays... Yeah, the he only, is Gandalf. Well, the only thing that, you know, like a what-if universe is, like, I knew that Christopher Lee really wanted to be Gandalf. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's the only other person that I would be like, yeah, he might be able to pull it off, too. I wonder if the, often I wonder. What would it be like? <laughs> what it would be like if the roles were reversed. Gan- I mean, Christopher, or, I'm sorry, Ian McKellen. Because he can play a villain. He's, he, he does a great, he's he Magneto. does a great villain. He does Magneto, Magneto really well. Yeah. I actually can't recall off the top of my head a Christopher Lee role where he's a protagonist and not an antagonist. But Yeah, I can't think. <laughs> the Willy Wonka movie? I don't the know. The poor guy. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, Ian McKellen is 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 the shit. Uh, and so is Christopher Lee. So they could, uh, we, should, we should go to like Rick and Morty style, like go to that universe and, and watch that version. Yeah. Where the roles are reversed. Yeah. <laughs> One day we'll do that. The infinite universes. All right, so after a long fall with the Belrog, uh, Gandalf and the Belrog crash into a deep subterranean lake far under the mountains. And a crazy battle ensues that Gandalf doesn't tell a whole lot about, but he gets into the ending. Yeah, it was t- two days long. He's, they fought for two days and nights. And the whole battle kind of goes um, from the pit of Moria all the way to the tippy top of the mountain. Sorry, you read that wrong. It's eight days. And then the battle, yeah. Fuck. And the battle on the peak took two extra days. Oh, that's what I was reading. Two days. Yeah. So we're talking ten days total, right? Yeah. So it's a Maiar versus Maiar ten day, all up brawl. Yeah, from the bottom of the depths of this secret lake in the like roots of a mountain, all the way to the top tippity top peak, they fought. Called. Zirak Ziggle, right? Isn't that how you say it? I can't pronounce it. I can't even hope to pronounce it. The dwarves have such a hard language. I think it's Zirak Ziggle. Uh, but ultimately, in the end, uh, I'm sure as most of us know, Gandalf ends up defeating the Belrog, but at the price of his own death. And uh, he dies on that mountaintop. And when he describes it, he says that his spirit traveled out of thought and time. Now, eventually... Gandalf's spirit was sent back to Middle-earth. Right, yeah, by by the Valar. By the Valar, because ultimately he was sent there by Manway to deal with Sauron, and obviously he hasn't finished yet, this poor son of a bitch. Yeah. He's already been killed after a 10-day crazy battle, and, I mean, on top of everything else he's already done. And out of the five motherfuckers they sent over there, he's the only one still doing his job. Right, he's dying. Yeah, he's the only one to die for it. So he's the one of the five that's actually doing it right. So when they send him back, they make him Gandalf the White. And they take the title from Saruman. I guess at this point, Saruman's Saruman kind of, took it away from himself. Yeah, he yeah. already gave it up. He proclaimed himself as Saruman of many colors. Of many colors. colors, yeah. All right, so here's a, here's a quote about Gandalf dying. Then the darkness took me, 
and I strayed out of all thought and time, and I wandered far on the roads that I will not tell. Naked I was sent back, for a brief time, until my task is done, and naked I lay upon the mountain top. There I lay, staring upward, while the stars wheeled over, and each day was as long as a life age of the earth. Naked. Naked. Gandalf, naked. There's a, a, a few moments of nakedness in Tolkien. This is one of them. Yeah, he really uses it to convey, like, just utter just helplessness. Yeah, d- like. desperation. Yeah, yeah. because the one other uh, naked scene is the fin- Finrod and, um, and Baron in yeah, the dungeons they're of thrown in the yeah they're thrown in the the pits of Sauron's dungeons and mm-hmm. there's a werewolf killing off their men from the dark one by one and they're all naked and defenseless it's mm-hmm. super terrifying yeah finrod kills a werewolf naked with yeah. his teeth and with hands. his teeth and hands <laughs> a werewolf other epic anyway, stories from the first age we digress um so at this point his body was found by Gwerhir. Did I say it again? I say Gwahir. Gwahir? Did I say it right? Okay. And he, it, yeah, he's the Lord of Eagles. He's a yep. descendant of uh, Thorindor from the First Age. Yep. He was the one that uh, saved him earlier off of the uh, top of... Orthanc. Yes. And then in The Hobbit as well, he, he fought in the... Gwahir fought in the Battle of Five Armies. Oh, yeah. Was he the one that led the Eagles? Yeah, yeah. It's always him. It's always, If it's not Thorindor, it's Gwahir. There's Isn't one other one uh, that is named his brother, Gwahir's brother. I can't remember his friggin' name. They're both the sons of Thorindor. Though, yeah, right? but they're sons yeah. of Thorindor. Uh, so Gwahir finds Gandalf's body on top of the mountain after uh, he was sent by Galadriel to look for Gandalf. Because at this point, I'm sure she figured something bad was going on. Um, so Gwahir carried Gandalf to Karas Galadon in Lothlorien. Did I say that right? Galadron. Galadron. Yeah. It's that D-H makes that the sound. It's a special place in the forest of Lothlorien, uh, where he was healed and clothed in white by Galadriel. I'm sure Galadriel was very happy about this because she ultimately appreciated Gandalf the most of the five anyway. Mm-hmm. She wanted him to be the leader. Yeah, and this can't, this can't have been uh, too damn long after the Fellowship had left Lothorian, right? They had to have just left. Yeah, yeah, they had to have just left because uh, the battle took 10 days on the mountain. Mm-hmm. They made it to Lothlorien what, in a couple days after they left Moria? Cause that Day was, or two, yeah. That was right at the east entrance. Mm-hmm. So they were in Lothlorien for a while. Gosh, I should have looked up they, exactly yeah, how many I, days. I didn't think of that until just now. Uh, yeah, but they had literally probably just left yeah, I'm within sure. a few days, yeah. Just like, as always happens with Gandalf, it seems like as soon as they got to Bree and then they left. Yeah, Gandalf, Gandalf shows, shows up a little bit later, yeah. So after he gets healed in Lothlorien, he traveled to Fengorn Forest, where he encounters Aragorn and Gimli and Legolas. This is during the Two Towers, I believe, while they're on their mm-hmm. search for Merry and Pepin, who have been captured by orcs. Yeah. We track a band of Urukai westward across the plain. They have taken two of our friends captive. <laughs> the orcs were slain in the night. <laughs> we piled the carcasses and burned them. I'm sorry. <laughs> they would be small, only children to your eyes. We left none alive. 
we're just gonna do the rest of the two towers now. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, Fangorn Forest. So that's where, <laughs> that's where Gandalf meets up with the Broken Fellowship again. Yeah, this is the first time that they see him since he's died, and they completely mistake him for Saruman since Gandalf is white now. Oh yeah, but before this, uh, Gandalf meets with uh, Treebeard, right? And yeah. puts Pippin and Merry in, in, yeah. in his care. Yeah, shortly before he runs into them, is he's in uh, while he's in Fengorn, he also yeah entrusts Merry and Pippin to Treebeard. To Treebeard, care. yeah. So yeah, uh, he he basically tells the Fellowship he's like, hey, don't worry about it. Pippin and Merry are in good hands. We got other things to worry about, and they do. So he explains to the the three of them there that. They need to go to Rohan instead. They need to stop looking for Mary and Pepin because they're they're okay. Mm-hmm. And he explains about the impending attack on Edoras by Saruman. Yeah, because Saruman's just gearing up to just fucking crush Rohan right now, which is the next big thing for for Gandalf. Mm-hmm. So together they traveled to Rohan, and Gandalf found that Theoden there is even weaker than he was last time. Gandalf had visited due to uh, Grima Wormtongue. Mm-hmm. Theoden being King of Rohan. King Theoden. King Theoden. Yeah, but he's kind of under this uh, weird uh, spell where he's like pre-aged. Like he's 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 real old looking. And uh, this is a really good scene in the movie. The, the The book isn't quite like that, but at the same time, it's it's kind of like a classic exorcism scene in the in the movie, which is is pretty sweet. Yeah, but so Gandalf eventually breaks that spell, and Theoden is uh, released they, from the spell, and they, they also kick out Grima Wormtongue from Edoras. Yeah, they like throw him right out. Yeah, he's, he's the worst. <laughs> so uh, now that uh, King Theoden has come back to himself, and Gandalf is there to advise him about the oncoming attack, uh, King Theoden decides that the Rohirrim are going to go to Helm's Deep, which is basically their giant fortress in the mountains not far from there. It's a great place to go for war, and they can just kind of wait things out. And uh, while they rode off to do that, Gandalf separated and rode to Orthanc and asked Treebeard to encourage the Hurons. That's the... It's like lesser ends. Hurons, yeah. Hurons. They said the, the uh, Pippin, in, in the book at one point, they uh, Pippin and Mary... Um, they gather that they were the Ents that had gone what Treebeard calls treeish. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> but he basically Gandalf goes to Orthanc where uh, Treebeard and friends have already overthrown Isengard, and he implores them to help with the battle at Helm's Deep. Yeah, and so uh, meanwhile, the the Fellowship and Theoden they're nestling in into Helm's Deep, and. Uh, Gandalf set off to find a character that's not in the movie at all, <laughs> but he's a, one of the lords of the mark. His name is Erkenbrand. Yeah, he's a pretty big deal with Rohan. Yeah, yeah, Erkenbrand. Uh, so he he basically gets Erkenbrand and a whole bunch of men to uh, ride to Helm's Deep to help with the impending battle. Now, luckily for them, Gandalf and Erkenbrand's horses arrived. Just in time, as Saruman's attack on Helm's Deep was really starting to, really, really getting down to the wire. Yeah, it was really getting <laughs> down to the wire. They they almost lost, and they came in right in the nick of time, which also ironically was right at sunrise. Mm-hmm. That was that's that was Gandalf's strategy: time it up with the sunrise. Yeah, 
And then just that also just plays into Tolkien's overall theme of light being good and darkness being evil. Right. So after the ensuing battle, uh, Gandalf and King Theoden rode to Isengard, which had been completely conquered by the Ents and Merry and Pepin. And there, Gandalf broke Saruman's staff and expelled him from the White Council permanently. And the Order of the Wizards... And he completely assumed Saruman's place as head of both. Because, I mean, Saruman has showed everyone that he's not Saruman the White anymore. Right, he's, Obviously. A, he's totally abandoned his former cause. Mm-hmm. And uh, Grima Wormtongue at this point does something rather stupid. <laughs> and he chucks out something out of the window to try to hit Gandalf. And uh, it turns out it's the Palantir of Orthanc which is probably the dumbest thing you could throw from the tower because it was literally the only bargaining chip that they they had locked up in that tower. Yeah, it was a pretty derpy move. Yeah, pretty derpy move. And then, um, yeah, so that Palantir comes into um, play quite a bit in that uh, that's how they found out that Saruman was, um, you know, talking to Sauron. Yeah, that's really when they connected the dots and mm-hmm. what happened there. Like, how did Saruman go south? Mm-hmm. Turns out he was he was messing with this Palantir. Because uh, just a uh, t- uh, quick review, Palantir are uh, the seven seeing stones brought to Middle-earth by the Numenorians uh, in exile. And uh, they can communicate with each other and see things far off. Mm-hmm. And there are originally seven of them. Uh, a f- few of them are lost. Uh, one of them's in Minas Tirith, one is in uh, Orthanc, and there was one in um, in Minas Ithil, which fell to Sauron, which is how Sauron got a hold of one. So this is how Sauron and Saruman are able to speak to each other. And later we also find out that Denethor was talking to Sauron via the uh, Minas Anor stone. You mean he was talking to Sauron? Did I say Saruman? You did. Sauron. Yes, he was talking to Sauron. So the the seeing stones they're a pretty big deal throughout all this, and he just throws <laughs> throws it out the window, just throws it, trying to hit Gandalf and totally misses. And yeah, I love in the book too. There's a there's a moment when um <laughs> when Saruman finds out what he threw, and he you can just hear Wormtum screaming because <laughs> because <laughs> Saruman, Saruman is super pissed off. So after they left Isengard, um, Pippin had the Palantir and ended up giving it up to Gandalf, obviously. Uh, but he takes it back from Gandalf while Gandalf was sleeping one night and decides to look in. Very stupid. Very stupid. Fool of a took. Fool of a took. He comes face to face with Sauron himself. Yeah. So Pippin has this chat with Sauron <laughs> uh, via the Palantir. And um, Sauron uh, is basically under. So he 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 figures Pippin sees a little bit of what Sauron's uh, plan. He sees some some imagery that Gandalf later uh, figures out. He's talking about Minas Tirith, mm-hmm. and also um, Sauron thinks that he is the halfling that has the ring that he thinks he's talking to, which confuses the fuck out of Sauron. Yeah, Gandalf obviously uses this to his advantage. Because he's smart. So he takes Pepin to Gondor. Uh, more or less because he knows, Gandalf knows that he's going to need to help Gondor, aiding them in the, in the defenses of this major attack that's about to come from Mordor. And he takes Pepin along with 
to more or less keep him out of trouble. And that's uh, on the way Gandalf explains uh, the Palantir um, to Pippin. And understand, and so Pippin kind of understands like what he actually did. Yeah, <laughs> now he understands what he was messing with some some real ancient like first age shit. Mm-hmm. Actually, and that's a, he drops Feanor's name. He says they're probably made by Feanor. Yeah, Feanorian. Yeah, and the uh, so again, these were gifted uh, to the Numenorians when they set up their their kingdom uh, by the elves. Or was it Valar? Did the Valar give it to him? Or was it might have been the Valar. I don't know. Somebody they came from Valinor, so. They came from Valinor, yeah. ultimately. It's a big deal. Um, and also along the way, Gandalf says something kind of fun. Uh, he basically tells Pepin that it was that he uh, thinks it's fortunate that it was Pepin that came in contact with Sauron rather than him. Because Gandalf says he didn't think he was ready yet to face Sauron. Yeah, because Gandalf, like we said at the... That, be- that's at the, saying in, a lot. In the last episode, remember, Gandalf didn't want to go to Middle Earth because he's straight up scared of Sauron. Yeah. He's still afraid of him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's still afraid of him. He's got a very respectful fear of that guy. Mm-hmm. He he recognizes a very powerful Maiar when he sees it. So arriving in Minas Tirith, Gandalf and Pepin meet Denethor. And Gandalf tries to give Denethor some counsel about the oncoming slaughter. But uh, Denethor just completely refuses. At this point, Denethor has been totally mind scrambled using his yeah. palantir his lost seeing stone talking to sauron mm-hmm. and that's where he kind of gets this uh defeatist attitude uh toward uh what does he say against the power that has arisen in the east there is no victory mm-hmm. like he gets really uh r- despair i mean because that's yeah. what sauron does is he spreads despair right yeah. yeah he falls into despair and he's yeah totally defeatist so now that gandalf and pippin are in minas tirith um, they're around for a host of things that happen. Uh, Faramir goes on a charge to try to retake Osgiliath, and that goes horribly bad. And it's really lucky that Gandalf was there uh, because he assists them. Yeah, because they have a, a a few Nazgul on them, right? Yeah, he assists them as they run back, as they ride back to the city. Mm-hmm. That's a really epic part of the book. Uh, the chapter when, of the White Rider. Yeah, when the White Rider comes, when Gandalf comes out. Yeah, that that whole chapter is super epic. Um, can I tell? Can we break here for a little story? Yes, this is a little insight into my life. So, <laughs> that scene in particular, there where Gandalf rides out and meets uh meets the Nazgul and and you know makes him fuck off. So. This is back in the day. Um, me and my friends were hanging out in my garage where we would smoke lots of marijuana, just a, a whole bunch. And it was, yeah. It was, so my friend uh, Aaron was over, and uh, he was going to pick a movie, so I sent him into my house. And I was like, yeah, pick whatever movie you got. I got like 300 movies. Go ahead, pick one. And Aaron comes back not with a movie, but my Lord of the Rings trilogy, which I haven't read at this point. This was 2011. I hadn't read them since... I was a child. So Aaron, uh, you know, we're, we're quite under the influence. And Aaron starts reading. He just picks a random passage, and he picks that one. Yeah, he opens it up right to the White Rider, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, right to the White Rider. And he was just like, shadow facts bore him. And I remember thinking, like, as he's reading this, I was like, this is so much more epic than I remember it. Like, this is crazy. And so that was when I decided to reread the trilogy for the, the second time in my life when I really started to appreciate it. And then I became obsessed with not only the trilogy, but then I went on to the Silmarillion and blah, 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 blah. And now we're here and I have a Tolkien podcast. So if if not for Aaron going into my house to get that copy of my book 
and read that, I wouldn't be as obs- I mean, I would still love Tolkien, but I wouldn't be near as obsessed with it. So you're I saying am. the White Rider was like the spark that reignited your Tolkien love. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. And marijuana, too. That helps. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Tolkien and marijuana is a good combination, guys. Don't let anybody tell you different. So after the incident uh, defending Faramir from the Nazgul, Gandalf is there to provide some invaluable aid to the White City during the onslaught. Yeah, and onslaught it is. Yeah, absolute onslaught. So together, Gandalf with Prince Imrahil, which is another character that we didn't hear about in the movies and is a... Huge character. He's a huge character, yeah. He's a Gondorian prince. Like, he's Dunedain from the south. Right. He's he's leader of the largest city in southern Gondor. Dol Amroth. Dol Amroth, which is down in sunny Gondor. The real... Sunny. The kind of, like, tropical part of Gondor. That'd be a nice place to live. Yeah, no, apparently it's beautiful. It's right on the sea. People love it. So him and Gandalf, they together lead the defender. They they lead the defenses of the city. Since at this point, um, Denethor has completely rendered himself useless. Yeah, he's gone completely insane. He's 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 done for. Yeah, and they completely manage the, the defenses of the city during this onslaught, which buys them just enough time for the Rohirrim to ride in and save the day. Yeah, and that uh, that excerpt is. This is where we get to that uh, the excerpt from the beginning of the episode. Yeah, is uh, there's the moment which we read, which is uh, when they finally breach the gates, and uh, the Witch King is the first one to ride in, and there's only one person to meet him there, but Gandalf, and he basically says, "Get the fuck out of here." Yeah, you, you just sit and get out of here. It's like you shall not pass. Two point oh, all but over again. Way more yeah. intense. Like and, an entire uh, army. Yeah, and it's an epic moment. We didn't read uh, to the end, but what eventually makes the Witch King uh, withdraw is the horns of the Rohirrim. They're here. So he has to go deal with that instead. So we never got to see that Gandalf versus the Witch King one-on-one. Oh, that would have been something, though. Yeah. I mean, I imagine uh, it'd be no problem for Gandalf. I mean, he killed the Balrog when he was the Grey. There was was a guy... (laughs) Um, oh, I can't remember. I wish I knew his. I wish I remember his name. But he, uh, thanks for commenting, by the way, uh, on the Facebook page. But he was talking about Gandalf, how he would have taken the Witch King apart. Oh yeah, and um, because he was able to kill a Balrog when he was Gandalf the Grey. Right, he was able to take down another Maiar when he was Gandalf the Grey. Now he's Gandalf the White, and the Witch King is what a black Numenorian, right? That's just gone. He's, he, yeah, he's a man of some. He's a, he's a ghost essentially. Gone necromancer. Yeah, he's a fucking ghost. Like it's it's a ghost versus <laughs> a ghost versus a Maiar. I mean, it's it's there's really no competition in my mind. It still would have been badass to see, though. Oh yeah, I it would have been a hell of a fight. I imagine it would have been a little bit of Gandalf like uncloaked. Yeah, that uh, yeah, when you get to see him do that every now and then. Yeah. Oh, super badass moments. Uh, but at that point, Gandalf would have ridden out to aid the Rohirrim in this epic moment, but instead, he hears the pleas of Pepin. And that's when Pepin brings to his attention the fact that Denethor and Faramir are about to both burn alive on a pyre in Rothdanen, which is like the burial, funeral Mm. portion of the city. Yeah, their mausoleum, essentially. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Denethor has gone crazy and is about to burn himself and Faramir alive. Alive. Faramir is... uh, 
was wounded after his yeah with a poison arrow. So he's got a fever. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's more or less unconscious at this point. And yeah, so like uh, there's no mistaking him for being dead at this point. Like he's actually burning up. Like he's got a fever because he's been hit with a poison arrow. Like, mm-hmm. and Denethor is just like, yeah, he's dead. Let's burn him. So Gandalf arrives just in the nick of time. He uh, takes Faramir off of the stack of wood and he tries to talk to Denethor again and you know do the whole cop thing. Yeah. Counsel him against suicide. Talk him off the edge. Talk him off the edge. But Denethor, having already been driven crazy, he's just driven mad with grief from Sauron's messages, and he just sets the pyre aflame and burns himself alive. Um, And in grief, Gandalf closes the doors of the chamber. You hear Denethor give out one cry, and that's it. (laughs) What does he say? So passes Denethor, son of Ecthelion. The end. The end of Denethor. So after the battle of Pelennor Fields, which was just insane, we get to the final council. And this is the point where they've just barely survived the onslaught of Sauron. And that wasn't nearly everything that Sauron had to throw at them. That's just what I guess he thought would be sufficient to kill off Minas Tirith. They just barely scraped by the by the uh, scrape to scrape by by the skin of their teeth. Skin of their teeth, yeah, yeah, and and um, that was due mostly to not only the Rohirrim showing up in force, but also um, Aragorn, Aragorn and, and the Dúnedain Rangers and the Sons of Elrond leading, taking down those Corsair ships. Yeah, yeah, leading the the army of the dead. Leading, yeah, leading the army of the dead, man. God, so much, so much epicness just coming together here. So at this point, they know that Sauron is going to strike again, and he's going to strike harder, and they are by no means prepared to handle that. Their only hope of survival at this point is hoping that Frodo and Sam get to Mount Doom in time. Yeah, it's the only thing at this point. And Gandalf tries to explain that to the surviving leaders. <laughs> yeah, and this, this There is are a lot of dead people. This is, a cha- this is the chapter of the last debate in The Return of the King, which is, uh, for my money, has some of the best dialogue in the trilogy. It's, it's awesome. It's very intense yeah. and to the point. And very, uh, very bleak. Incredibly they, bleak. Yeah, <laughs> they are not uh, convinced that their, their plan will work, essentially, that they come up with. Joel's going to read an excerpt about it. Here we go. An excerpt from The Last Debate, from The Return of the King, right? Right on. This, then, is my counsel. We have not the ring. In wisdom or great folly, it has been sent away to be destroyed, lest it destroy us. Without it, we cannot by force defeat Sauron's forces, but we must at all costs keep his eye from the true peril. We must call out his hidden strength so that he shall empty his land, We must make ourselves the bait, though his jaws should close on us. We must walk open-eyed into that trap with courage, but small hope for ourselves. For, my lords, it may well prove that we ourselves shall perish utterly in a black battle far from the living lands, so that even if Baradur be thrown down, we shall not live to see a new age." But this, I deem, is our duty. Wow. That's some heavy shit. <laughs> yeah, he just lays it all down. Gandalf is basically like, we might have to kill ourselves, guys. 
like this might be the end of us. We're going to have to march off into some place far away and disgusting and fight for as long as we can. And hopefully the two little hobbits can destroy the ring in time right. for us all not to die. <laughs> it's like for for better or worse, this is how it is. At this point, this is the best play that we can do. Right. We'll probably die, but it's the only way we can achieve our goal. Like, and how how would you feel if you were a citizen of Minas Tirith? Just looking looking at this, so you you survive this crazy battle, right? Mm-hmm. The king returns, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, like a day or two later, they go on a they, suicide. They go mission. on a suicide mission. You're just like, well, fuck. This is there goes the king. I guess like <laughs> just a <laughs> fucking mess. Yeah, and yeah, the city is a the city is a mess. It is a mess. And uh, yeah, Prince uh, Immerhill's actually in charge of that shit. Yeah, Prince Immerhill's in charge of the city. He agrees to take charge of the city until Aragorn comes back, and because mm-hmm. uh, Aragorn has decided he will not enter the city until he comes to claim it for himself. Right, because well, it normally it would be the steward who's taking care of it, but Denethor mm-hmm. is dead, and then uh, Faramir would technically be the steward, but he's unconscious. Right, and. I definitely think Prince Immerhill is the next best character because he's he's oh a, hell yeah he's awesome he's a hell of a leader yeah the so, Swan Knights right the Swan Knights those are his people yeah hell yeah so this is what brings us to the battle at the Black Gate the final battle in the War of the Ring Gandalf alongside Aragorn they just walk right on up right yeah. on up to the Black Gates. Literally, yeah. Let the Lord of the Black Land come forth, is what they say. All right, here he comes. I mean, to be honest, I'm almost surprised Sauron would fall for something like that, but... He's too prideful, man. He thinks he's going to crush him in a single blow. I suppose like, that was their that was their tactic, sort of, was right, using the, his pride. Using to, his pride against him, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, they, they basically pound on the Black Gate, knock, 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 and they send out... A single rider. In parlay. In parlay. And it's a character called the Mouth of Sauron, who is a unbelievable asshole. I love this character. Me and too. I absolutely love the rendition that they did in the movie. <laughs> yeah, in the extended dis- version. Yeah, because they just cut it out. Disgusting. It's so fucking gross when he's just like, Is there anyone on this route with authority to treat with me? And like yeah. his disgusting teeth and his lips yeah. are split up. It's it's a it's a gruesomely beautiful sight. It's good. It's a good scene. But yeah, so they come out, they have a fake uh, uh like a, a little bit of a treaty session. He's essentially like, Hey, um Sauron's willing to cut a deal with you. If you give all lands east of the Misty Mountains to him, and they're like, "Yeah, no," he also tries to taunt him with with Frodo's mithril shirt right, and some yeah. of the hobbits' belongings, trying to tell them that they've already failed. Right, and that's um, it's heavy in the book because the way um the reason they cut it out of the movie is because it didn't have the emotional uh, value that it did in the book because right. the timelines are different in the book. So like, mm-hmm. book one of the Return of the King is all of uh. The Broken Fellowship, and nothing about Frodo and Sam. Right. So at this point, you've read The Two Towers, which ends with Frodo being captured by orcs. And then the next thing you hear is the mouth of Sauron holding up his his mithril coat like, hey, we got, you, we got your boy. Like, there's nothing more plain as day that they've obviously gotten to Frodo. They're holding up his mithril mm-hmm. shirt and some of, his, some of their other belongings, I think, some of their clothes and things. Mm-hmm. But Gandalf being a... A person of hope, he refuses to believe it. He's like, this is Sauron. He's a liar. 
he's probably the lying. deceiver. Sauron the deceiver. So he's probably lying. There's a good chance that Frodo's still alive. Let's go ahead with the regular plan. Yeah, Gandalf just straight up rejects the surrender and says we're gonna we're gonna fight. We're gonna attack. And faces the full forces of Sauron at the gates. Yeah, the the it literally he literally empties the black land. I can only imagine what kind of army that would be like. I it would be f- fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> Just crazy. But luckily at that time, we get to the destruction of the ring and the downfall of Sauron's armies and the eagles come. Hell yeah, those eagles again, they show up. Clutch clutch moments they show up. Yeah, they they always show up. When you need them to be there, mm-hmm. I'm, honestly, they could they could show up a little bit more. I yeah, think you know what they could. Yeah, they, <laughs> they could, could show up a little more. I think it would be helpful, but you know, at least they don't leave you hanging in the real tough yeah. moments. Yeah, if you're if you're up Shit Creek without a paddle, the eagles might come save you. If your cause, <laughs> if your cause is just, they will save you. Especially if you're Gandalf. Especially if you're freaking Gandalf. Yeah, so Gandalf basically mounts up on Guahir, and they fly over to the Mount Doom to pick up Frodo and Sam. Yeah, because at this point, he knows they're there. Yeah. Yeah, because obviously... Whether or not they're alive. Yeah, whether or not they're alive, there's still... there's Somebody somebody destroyed the ring. And I mean, he's been... Gandalf has been, you know, pushing for hope against all odds throughout this entire business. Why not push for for hope now? So he rides over to the mountain on the eagles, and he rescues Frodo and Sam. A beautiful, beautiful end to that terribly tragic tale terribly tragic story so yeah gandalf um has uh uh, frodo and sam flown back to minas tirith and they hang out there for a while and this is the coolest i mean this is like one of my favorite parts of the book because like everything because there's still a shitload left of the book after the ring is destroyed right there's a lot of recovery yeah there's a lot of recovery and this is the period where you like um, you know, people are being healed up. Mary's still in the hospital. You get to see, oh, well, one of the sweetest moments of the book is uh, when Eowyn and, uh, and Faramir fall in love in the Houses yeah. of Healing. Yeah, it's a sweet little sweet little story. And then all the healing that happens, uh, uh, Aragorn spends a lot of time in the Houses of the Healing mm-hmm. using the healing hands of the king. Yeah, using that ethylas. King's foil, that's a weed. Yeah, so they hang out there more or less doing recovery and rebuilding and just kind of gathering ourselves. They're there for like four years. Yeah, and this this is when uh, Aragorn is establishing himself as the king. Mm-hmm. They do the coronation, and uh, also um, he's married to Arwen. Doesn't he call him, he takes the name King Elisar? Elisar, yeah. Elisar. So after four years of uh, recovering from the war... Gandalf finally uh, accompanies the hobbits back west towards the borders of the Shire. Now, little do they know, the hobbits are about to go back to the Shire, and it's going to be a shit show, and they're going to go into the scouring of the Shire. But mm-hmm. this isn't about the That's hobbits. not about this, guys. This we're gonna we're probably going to do a whole friggin' episode about the scouring of the Shire, mainly because they cut it out of the movie, and it's a certain... It's a very integral part of the story yeah. that completely changes the tone of the Lord of the Rings. It really, really does. Me and Danny have had so many conversations so about this. So many conversations about But we're going to get into that later. We're oh, following guys. Gandalf right now. Yeah, this Gandalf. Is, Let's follow him. This is another really cool <laughs> moment because after everything is said and done, Gandalf's purpose has been accomplished. Uh, Sauron is essentially vanquished and he can never take physical form again. 
Gandalf's about to head back into the West. So what's one of the last things that he wants to do before he leaves Middle-earth? Well, while accompanying the hobbits back to the Shire, on the border of the Shire, he decides to tell them, hey, I'm going to meet up with you guys later. I'm going to go hang out with Tom Bombadil for a little bit. We have Mm -hmm. a lot to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, one of the things you said that I just want to drive home to is because Sauron is a Maiar, right? He's not completely destroyed. He is thrown down, essentially. And now he's just kind of like a fart in the wind. Like, he's not... Right, that, that's essentially all he is. Yeah, I he's mean, just a fart in the wind. After that, he hung around Mordor as just like a dark cloud of malice for yeah. a while. And then they said one day, what was like a westerly wind just blew just him away? Just blew him away. Fart in the wind, guys. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to read a little quote uh, from Gandalf, Parts from the Hobbits, on the borders of the Shire. But if you would know, I am turning aside soon. I'm going to have a long talk with Bombadil, such a talk as I have not had in all my time. He is a moss gatherer, and I have been a stone doomed to rolling, but my rolling days are ending, and now we shall have much to say to one another. I want to know what they talked about. I want to know, man. I want to hear that conversation so friggin' bad. Because I feel like not only would that tell us more about who the fuck Tom Bombadil is, but I mean, I can only imagine the crazy conversations that they would have. Yeah, you're like, hey, they've you remember? Been, they've you both remember been around forever. Yeah, just like, hey, remember? You remember when the sun rose for the first time? Oh yeah, yeah, that shit was weird. That was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> dude, you remember when half the continent got sank into the ocean <laughs> right? by the Valar? Oh man, that was crazy. Shit was wild. <laughs> they'd have a yeah, they'd have a lot to to relive together. Oh yeah, we have our own theories about who Tom Bombadil is, but we'll, we'll get into that in another episode. Um, at this point, it isn't known what the meeting was about or what they discussed. Uh, maybe there's some notes somewhere out there that maybe that J.R.R. wrote down in the vast archives that Christopher has, but we'll see what happens. That'll be in the unfinished, unfinished tales. The way more unfinished tales. The the ultra, super unfinished. Super unfinished. <laughs> Although at one point, Gandalf did remark to the hobbits that uh, Bombadil would doubtless have little interest in their tales. Yeah, and in anything that they just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's not going to give a, sh- a shit about anything that we did, but... He said, except, save for maybe the encounters with the Ents. Oh, right, yeah. I'm sure Bombadil would love to meet the Ents. Yeah, is he like, word, the Ents? If he didn't the al- Ents rose up? If he didn't already know them, I'm sure he's he probably knows them. He's been around forever. Yeah, no, he totally knows that. Yeah, yeah, man, they've been around forever. He's probably friends with them and shit. Uh, so after his conversation with good old Bombadil, after having spent over 2,000 years in Middle-earth, which is nowhere near as long as Cirdan. Nowhere near as long as Cirdan. In fact, it's like 8,000 years shy. But after having spent 2,000 years in Middle-earth, Gandalf finally departs for the West with Frodo, Galadriel, Kelgorm. Oh, Kelleborn, Kelleborn. bro. Not that Kelgorm, that dick from the first age. No, he died. Kelleborn of Doriath. Kelleborn of Doriath, Bilbo, Elrond, and I think that that was all that went at that point, right? I don't think any other character. I know Círdan didn't go at that point. No, Círdan didn't go at that point, no. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, so at the White Havens, we had... Grey Havens, bro. I'm sorry. At the Grey Havens, we had Gandalf, (laughs) Frodo, Galadriel, Kelleborn, Bilbo, and Elrond sailing... 
for the Undying Lands. Yeah, and that's uh, the ring bearers, essentially. Gandalf being the ring. I mean, he probably had a ticket home anyway, just because he's done with his, you know, his shit. But he's also one of the ring bearers passing oh, over the sea. That is when he finally re- officially reveals his uh, possession of Narya. That's the when it oh, first yeah, becomes he, generally he known. He openly that he had wears it. it at that point too. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. when he first reveals that he is the one that had Narya since. Since Kyrdan gave it to him. Since Kyrdan, what? Oh my God, you guys, you have no idea how important Kyrdan is. And if you don't, you should go back and listen to the last episode of season one because we tell you all about it. And there's a reason why Kyrdan was friends with Gandalf and why he gave Gandalf that ring because Gandalf is one of the most crucial characters in Tolkien. Well, he's one of the most crucial characters in the Third Age. He is, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's literally like a direct answer to Sauron's threat. Yeah, 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 for real. Because yeah, the um, the the Valar don't want to get involved with Sauron like they did with Morgoth. You know, no. what I mean? because they got their hands dirty with that, and look what happened. It sank half the fucking world. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So they're they're like, we're gonna send some people, but we're not gonna get involved ourselves, and that's gonna be Gandalf. And he does a bang up job, man. He does a hell of a job, Gandalf. Man, if there was one person I could wish to real life, it'd be Gandalf. Yeah, we need a friggin' Gandalf, Mithrandir. Yeah. We we need a friggin' Gandalf, guys. But that's that's all we've got for you for episode two, guys. Yeah, that's Gandalf. Um, you know, everybody's favorite character, I think. Everybody knows Gandalf. Even if you haven't seen Lord of the Rings or read the books, everybody knows who Gandalf is, right? I would think so. Yeah. He's a real stand-up guy. Yeah. You shall not pass. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, this is going to be it for us. Uh, thanks for listening again. This is our first... Uh, First installment for season two. First installment, yeah. uh, Two-parter on Gandalf. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it went well. Hopefully you guys do too. Let us know what you thought. Let us know. Did we leave anything out? Yeah, did we leave anything out? Uh, Do you think we fucked up anywhere? Um, You know? Let us know. Let us know, man. Hit us up on uh, Facebook, Twitter. Whatever floats your boat. Whatever floats your boat, man. Um, So, yeah, this uh, this has been Danny J. Thanks so much for listening. And this is Joel N, guys. And as always... Keep on talking. Keep on talking. Aure and Tuluva.